Welcome to the Bitches Be Brave podcast. We know how difficult and crazy it can be to juggle family, career, and not to mention make time for yourself as a busy working mom. So it's time to get inspired and gain the tools to create a life you love. We are your hosts, Bev Steele and Heather Hobbs. Join us as together we motivate, inspire, and gain tools to thrive in all areas of life. Let's go. Hello and welcome back. We are here today interviewing Sherry Zhang, who is the founder of GenoPallet, which is a genetic test that Bev and I decided to do as well. Uh, you want to share our information a little bit? I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. <laughs> <laughs> we Go didn't get it. too much into all our exact markers, so I thought it'd be kind of fun just to talk a little bit about some of our surprising findings. Well, was it, I mean, for me, there was, there were definitely some things that I thought were interesting and surprising. A lot of it, which really just reconfirmed how I felt. So what about you? Is there anything surprising to you in your results? Well, I think our listeners know that you're just so much more well-versed in really not only in health, but in, in like, what you're testing. I mean, you've done all, you know, you talked about the sensitivity testing and all of that. I am not. So I found everything fascinating and I think it's the whole app and everything is very easy to use. So yeah, I think that I talked a little bit about the gluten. Like I did not know that I was gluten sensitive and I did not know that I was a slow alcohol metabolizer, but I also didn't know I was a fast caffeine metabolizer. So that was very interesting. What about you? Well, I guess anything I knew, like I've heard the longest time, because I'm a slow caffeine metabolizer, but I also knew that about myself. Like, as you know, all of you guys, that I don't sleep very well. So for me, kind of the 3 p.m. cutoff of no caffeine after that time has like been a long standing thing for me anyway, but it was just kind of reconfirmed that. Um, for alcohol, I was a normal alcohol metabolizer, which wasn't that surprising either, I feel like, you know. But then again, I went to Michigan state and have had a long history of being able to, (laughs) (laughs) being able to hang. So I didn't know if I just built up that, that endurance or (laughs) now I know I just actually have it, which, you know, I'm Irish too. DNA, honey. (laughs) Yeah. We can have a drink off. We can do shots. (laughs) I can do one more shot than you. It's funny. Um, Well, I think it's just a really good time, especially for me to kind of look back at my testing results. And as we said, you know, everyone's kind of looking at their health. How can we be very healthy and strong right now and be our best selves? So if we do, you know, find ourselves sick or, you know, facing any health crisis that, you know, we can give it the biggest fight that we can. Yeah. I think that there's, there's so much. She is brilliant. Um, I think what she's done is, amazing. And it's something that, um, I really truly got so much out of it. I think that even as I mentioned in the interview, um, the, the app, the emails, her website, um, such a plethora of information there that I think everyone can get so much out of. And right now we should be, we should be looking to be our best health ever. We need to build up our immune systems. We need to be strong. We need to be healthy. And so this is a great way to start off to really know, Um, and get knowledgeable on how your body reacts to foods and what you really need to do to be in your best health. 
Yeah. And all of this is based on research and data, but just to look at Sherry, she's the epitome of health. I just mm -hmm. want what she's having. I'm telling you. <laughs> right. So you're, <laughs> you all need to listen up now. Um, here we so, go. Here we go. Welcome, we are here today with Dr. Sherry Zhang, who's a mother, a molecular geneticist, and the CEO of the new revolutionary new startup called Genopalette, which uses the latest research in genetics and nutrition to show individuals how to eat healthier based on their genes. With Genopalette technology platform of genetics-based personalized nutrition, Sherry and her team vision to change how people choose, shop, and eat their foods for better health. Sherry, you have such an amazing background, and I'm so excited to say that Bev and I actually did do this Gino palette test ourselves, and um, we're so excited to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you so much, Heather, for the introduction, and it's really warm and kind, and I'm very excited. I thank you so much for trying Gino palette, and I can't wait to hear how you are using it and how you find it. Uh, useful or not for your own endeavor in nutrition. Yeah, well, and I, I can't wait to dive into that. And I'd love for you to just go back and kind of tell our listeners, you know, how did you get to this point of creating um, this startup company? And, you know, what kind of drew you into this specific area? Yeah, uh, happy to share. So I actually grew up in northern China. Uh, it's Tianjin is the name of my hometown. Boston always reminded me of my hometown. It's a metropolis of 15 million people today and uh, still growing kind of a, uh, it's the coastal guard to the capital of Beijing. So it's almost meshed into a gigantic, um, bigger mega city uh, area. So very exciting place and laid back, great seafood. People usually don't go far, but I did. So mm -hmm. I came um, in 2001 to pursue my PhD degree at Marquette University. <laughs> Milwaukee is my first uh, encounter of the American culture and, <laughs> and now I call it my home you know mm -hmm. um, so it's life is interesting um, so I actually uh, fast, fast forward so I got my PhD in, in molecular biology in the same year where I became a new mother and to my son wow. Ryan, who is 13 today it's wow. it's really amazing how fast they just grow like Louise. So, mm -hmm. um, so you can imagine the same year I actually defended my thesis in, or had my boy in February, defended it in uh, April, and I had my first job as a fellow, postdoc fellow at Medical College Wisconsin in June, and wow. uh, started a whole new career path, which I always love, love researching how things work in the biology setting. Um, you know, from animals and to humans. And, and so I studied obesity genetics at MCW, Medical College Wisconsin, using a population that uh, really well characterized, backed by NIH and, and also private uh, organizations, research funding, that we identified a causality in your DNA, right? Whether it's genetics and something called epigenetics, you know, what is are the the entities that will be influenced by when you eat, when you exercise, when you have air pollution and so on and so forth. And our focus is obesity and metabolic syndrome. And as you know, we have over 100 million adults and 
probably 18 million children and adolescents are being affected by weight issues and they persist into adulthood when you know you have those symptoms early on in their life so and those are a lot of them are reversible and 30 percent relatively are genetically determined right mm -hmm. and then their 30 percent are uh environmental and their 30 percent uh our interaction between the two. So I was, you know, happily researching all these, uh, you know, organizing old knowledge and creating new knowledge through my research, publish a lot of interesting papers with my colleagues. So that's kind of my, my first part of the life. And during that time, as I shared, I became a mother. The same time I was researching this really big, you know, problem that influencing our society and me included, right? Nutrition is the key. Uh, we all know that, but how we have so little information about what's really in our body. How do we link that or reestablish that relationship with the food out there, right? It's a modernized environment now. It's very different from the, when our ancestors uh, were in and developing those different uh, mutations, you know, naturally happen mutations make you and you, me and me, uh, digest the same food with different outcomes. So I see a lot of conflict is really the evolutionary course is not catching up with the modernization of our food environment, right? So that's mm -hmm. why we didn't, uh, to me, for what I can offer to the world is knowledge. I think mm -hmm. we don't have enough knowledge. We don't have enough um, credible sources of information, data, knowledge to how people make those decisions. So, you know, without boring you into my nerdy background, yeah. that's yeah. how I see maybe there's a way I can help. And at the same time, it's actually just as a mother and person that I want the best for my son. Mm -hmm. And the first thing is I want him to eat the best way. It doesn't have to be like to the extreme, but it just needs to be mindful, right? So I was in that endeavor, and the more I read about nutrition, the more diets and all these trends, and the more confused I was. I was like, oh my God, this is everybody's facing. And at the same time, as a researcher and technologist, I know a technology to maybe solve that from a very foundational layer. So that's the, the origin of uh, the idea of Genopilate, where we today is really building into a data-driven personalized nutrition platform, uh, leveraging the big data already in every single person that you were born with. But what we need to do is curate all this accumulating knowledge base and help you to come up with different ways and tools and to really make better decisions every day. Yeah, I'm, I like that you talk about, you know, wanting your son to eat healthy. I, I have three daughters and I, they eat so differently and I always wondered kind of is there is there a reason I have one child that just is a carnivore she craves like meat and another one that just really likes salads and cheese and things like that um, but before we kind of dig into the diet piece and that will you just take our listeners through you know the process Heather and I have both taken the test um, just those that aren't familiar with how the DNA testing works just go through that process with us Sure, uh, I'm sure some of your audiences have uh, uh, heard or used uh, platforms like uh, 23andMe mm -hmm. or Ancestry.com. Uh, those are 
really uh, great effort into applying consumer uh, a, a genomics technology into a consumer friendly setting, right? So very similarly, we have developed our own algorithm taking into your uh, saliva and swab, uh, your DNA at home. So it's a home test you order on our uh, website, it's e-commerce uh, platform. And we send it to you, you do your swab as you both did, and then you send it to a pre-labeled uh, kit uh, back to our uh, clear lab. And our lab will analyze actually um, more than hundred thousands of uh, mutations that we have some sort of understanding behind it. And I will pick out, cherry picks the ones that we have evidence and clinical, clinical trials and studies for, and primarily linking your, uh, we call SNPs, single nucleotide polymorphism. Those are the naturally happen mutations I was talking about through your ancestry, linking those with your potential health outcomes such as uh, gaining weight, um, sugar responsiveness, or insulin responsiveness to sugar, lipids, and so on and so forth through nutrition, right? There's always this link where in those studies, people are going through either randomized uh, clinical trials or other kind of these study designs so that the scientists will be able to sift through the data sets, pick out, okay, you have, let's say, Heather, you have this genotype, for FTO gene, and you eat a Mediterranean diet or low carb, or low fat, whatever that is, that situates you slightly higher at a higher risk than Sherry Jung is for obesity, right? So that gives you a kind of one case. But um, as you can imagine, our algorithm is way more complex than that. So we take into over a hundred of those biomarkers, we um, integrate it into a very one unique nutrition eating plan for you, taking into account, I believe we cover 23 different nutrients. So macros, right, sugar, fiber, protein, fatty acids, and, uh, and the micros, so uh, vitamins and minerals. We also have um, uh, people uh, really uh, care about their sensitivities to lactose, gluten, and then we also have alcohol, caffeine and sensitivities markers. So all of those are having uh, robust, uh, impactful evidence that we can rule our recommendations. So I have done in the past, I've um, done and I've done it for my family as well, a food sensitivity test where you, that is more of a blood test and they really can come up and tell you what specific foods um, your body may have you know, producing inflammation and can cause other effects. So what is the difference then between what you're seeing? I know you said, you know, you're actually able to see these naturally occurring mutations, the SNPs, and recommend what foods might be best for your body type based on some of your genetic disposition. But what is really, if you could help me just understand the difference between that and what I might get in this particular report versus um, a food sensitivity report. Right. Yes, great question. Um, they uh, overlapping similarly on the concept, but it's actually the fundamental mechanisms of how and how we use them are different. So blood tests, as you, um, biochemistry, what I'm talking about. You can also take DNA from blood, but that's not what you do it into. What you're referring to is a biochemistry test that capture your 
it's like a snapshot of that moment of yours, right? The peripheral blood um, profile for certain allergens or uh, reactants developed mm -hmm. in your bloodstream. So think about that as it's it's a, uh, a real time on that spot, um, unless you uh, capture multiple times and develop a curve. I will uh, I will say the caveats of that is. Uh, it's um, it fluctuates yeah. over time, right? If you take that three days later and after exercise and uh, in different contexts, I bet that the value that points will give you potentially different readings. The, the good side of it is a it's your own hardcore biochemistry that in your blood that time, right? So there's just two ways of looking at it. Versus genetics is interesting in a way that it brought by your ancestry you're born with. Usually, like we're talking about 99.999%, your DNA don't change. When they change, those are the cancerous genes. And those are the things we don't want in, yeah. in response to UV or in your organ, that kind of thing. So that's in-life mutation. Usually are in the uh, 3.5 trillion cells, um, all these copies of DNA don't change. That's good and bad, right? Or pros and cons. Pros will be they don't change. We harvest add even we can do it at birth, right? Then we would pretty much know your predisposition for whatever that information brings mm -hmm. about. Um, the cons will be we don't capture your real time, the fluctuated, um, you know, biochemistry, right? So the antibody and those protein aspects of it from the gene expression that we are not necessarily capturing them all. However, the reason we strongly believe genetics play a big role in our health, which is demonstrated by gazillions of uh, research projects and clinical trials, and some are even FDA cleared tests, um, is speaking to the importance of the genetics determine as a code to make your functional entities, right? Through something called RNA, we call it messenger, to the functional entity, which is protein, as you're probably very familiar with. Mm -hmm. And um, as a molecular biology, started to get into a little bit into the weeds, uh, we know that structure determines functionality, just like mm -hmm. architecture, right? So what those mutations really do in many cases, they altered your enzymatic structure. So because think about it's so like a key and a lock, right, in a way, mm -hmm. and then if it's kind of a loose done, the other one, right, the, the lock, and then when the key comes in, it doesn't turn that lock fully. Sometimes yeah. it's not working at all. So at the end of it, this is just a very, very simplified one linear description of the very complex molecular cascades in our body, but you can get a picture where that really changed multiple, multiple downstream events so that at the end of it, our reaction to the same cues, food, beverage, alcohol, whatever that is, is gonna be have variability yeah. uh, for the person. So, cause I found that with, um, in the past where I've, I was discovered that I have what's called MTHFR. And I think it's kind of similar to what you're saying that it's this whole cyclical effect and, you know, there could be all these other offshoots from it, meaning like how I process and metabolize folic acid, for instance, which I don't, right? I have to have the actual methylated form. Um, so would this test also help identify those people that may be suffering from say like an autoimmune disorder 
like celiac, or if you have a predisposition for type two diabetes or something along those lines, would it, would it help detect that as well? Yeah, this is um, just like a 23andMe Ancestry. Um, it's not, it's a wellness product. It's not meant to be a diagnostic yeah. uh, product. So the house claims is very strict and we go by with it. It's, so we don't diagnose the, um, you know, autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. You can't tell that from that. And then okay. we can claim that. You can tell you'll have 20% increased um, or you are diagnosed for that type 2 diabetes by genopilot. We can't, we are not meant to do that. What it, it says is, is based on research finding, we know when you have this specific genotype for TCF7L2 as one of the genes for type 2 diabetes, and that will increase or lower your risk when you eat certain foods. So because of that, we recommend the risk lowering or opportunity proning, um, promoting um, regimen. So that. Yeah, happen? definitely. Yes. Definitely. So just kind of digging into my test here with that question. Okay. So for sugar, I had, and I assume there's maybe a correlation there with the, the, uh, the DNA maybe with um, wanting to prevent diabetes, right? And not contribute to the getting there. But I actually... Let me see how I would read this. So um, I was less than 10%, so low. Based on your genetics, you may benefit from lowering your sugar intake to less than 10% of your daily calories. So what, what would that tell me? That um, without, it's not, I can't remember the specific uh, study based on yeah. that um, because I don't have visibility to yes. your habit before. <laughs> uh, as far as I can speak to the mechanism. So what I what we're trying to tell you is there is a research evidence. There could be multiple studies. Usually we have multiple evidence showing that people having your genotype, kind of like people trying the drugs for you in a way, right? They already try um, or put into this course of dietary regimen and then they're being measured for certain uh, outcomes of the metabolic health. Mm -hmm. It could be, and it's sugar doesn't have to be all related to type 2 diabetes. Sometimes it could be obesity, sometimes it's a lipids, triglycerides, and so on. Mm -hmm. So we look at those uh, indices that um, in my previous background and research and, and ongoing, we know that are risk factors for cardiovascular diseases right through diet uh, intervention. Mm -hmm. And then we focus on those and map out what are the uh, nutrients in this your case is sugar so the 10 percent and or you know sometimes it's 30 percent for fatty acid when that is based on those research findings yeah so would you find i know you said a lot of this is um going back in the beginning you mentioned about when you were talking about obesity and metabolic syndrome and that a lot of that is reversible because you talked about kind of the 30% being genetically predisposed and the, our environmental factors and then kind of the two together. So how much of this, if you really did have a propensity for a, a genetic predisposition, how much of this can you truly reverse by diet? Do you believe like, can we solve our, I kind of have my own answer to this too, but can we solve a lot of our obesity issues really by 
um, addressing, you know, where our nutrients need to be based on our genetic yeah. profile. Great question. Um, it's a complex question. So based on our research, in we have a very unique family-based cohorts, which may, means give us statistic power of controlling the noises versus the signals, because those people, a lot of them are from Midwestern, bigger family. Mm -hmm. They don't travel a whole lot into other continents necessarily, right? So they're very, uh, have similar households, behaviors, and so the eating habits are very controlled. And then, and by knowing that there's a, this is pure genetics, we can pretty much uh, build how similar from the father to son, to from the son to the siblings and so on and so forth. In our biggest family, we have 74 members of the one big family, four mm -hmm. generations, a lot of laterals. That gives me like a scientist to really have a powerful tool to look at all these differences and similarities in their genetic predisposition, regardless of nutrition or exercise or cancer. Yeah. Set up the baseline and then looking at the, the variations. So using that, we have, I have published a paper in Obesity Journal where the BMI is, I believe, is 24% genetically determined in our family-based population study. And that was replicated in many, many other cohorts, Birmingham and other studies mm -hmm. as well. So I would say, you know, 25, 35 depends on the ethnical backgrounds, right? Some backgrounds may be more uh, similar to each other or have a stronger genetic uh, factor than others, but it's around 25, 30%. That's why I was alluding to, mm. you know, 30, uh, relatively 30% is genetically determined. The interaction of the gene and the environment is the part I believe as a researcher in this field that can be reversed. Mm -hmm. It's not a pure the genetic disposition. I think, I mean, to the point it doesn't change, we cannot change that, right? But by knowing that, that's what Genopalis first proposition or value provision providing to our customer is you didn't know before we analyze you, now you do. So now you know the FTO, now you know the sugar, right? Now you know all these yeah. facts about yourself, what do you do about it, right? So that's the first thing is in the nose. And the second tier is, okay, next thing you know, I know, let's um, building a best successfully, you know, uh, mindful eating journey based on that knowledge and also based on we know the epigenetic mechanisms can be influenced by what you do today, right? So that's the part I would say, I, I mean, you know, my, the, the scientists, colleagues in my field, will, we can argue all day long, so there's gonna be variation, but I would think one third of the general variation of determinants of health for metabolic can be, um, can be reversed. Love that. I I love how your report comes back to and, and the app that you have and how easy it is to mm -hmm. kind of navigate and read. Um, I will say though, I was really surprised with uh, some of my findings. I like I had a gluten sensitivity, and um, also as an Irish girl, I was surprised to find out that I am a slow alcohol <laughs> metabolizer. Oh. <laughs> So, <laughs> I'm just not sure how that happened. Um, so can you just share with us 
some of the feedback that you've gotten? Like, are there certain um, markers that people are finding that are really surprising to them and that can really be life-changing? And, you know, what are some of the immediate things that we can do, you know, implement right away to make a change in our health? Yeah, yeah. You actually write on that, the one that the trade that people actually had a lot of like um, aha moments um, with us, right? So one is the gluten sensitivity risk, right? Again, this is not a health claim. Right. Uh, what we picked out is who has that genotype which give them a celiac-like symptoms. It's not a diagnosis. Celiac mm -hmm. is very complex and there's you know whole new clinical uh, test for that and we recommend if you have that symptoms you you do seek for doctor's advice but a lot of a lot of time is um, in more common is not a celiac disease celiac can be very lethal as you probably know if you eat something really wrong but uh, the symptoms look like that those are the uh, genetically um, studies have picked up in the past uh, several years. Mm -hmm. What is really happened, as you probably know, as a immunologist uh, on this is um, our body kind of pick up the uh, fight, right? Sometimes from the environment, that's really the allergy is about. Um, we used to be living in much dirtier environment, and, you know, in, from our ancestry. So we have to develop all this fighting, right? Immune, right now we're talking about, you know, COVID-19 situation. Yeah. You know, our immune really should do their job of fighting all these. So the, you know, TB cells and then the white blood cells will come gobble all those foreigners up. The, what happened now is we've been doing such a great job of in the, you know, protecting people from infectious diseases, really living in, especially in, our countries and uh, developed countries has become such a clean, clean environment that our system just not knowing they have difficulty finding which is really my enemies, which are actually my own or which one is a, is a foreign new food, right? So because of that, that's how we actually come become the autoimmune uh, diseases are so much on, on the rise, right? Mm -hmm. Recent years. Uh, that's really the fundamental, uh, the reason that we know. So we pick out those sensitivities in your genes that might be previously an advantage, right? Mm -hmm. For your ancestors, but now put you at a different disadvantage because you're probably allergic to a lot of things, reacting more, overreacting to other foreign uh, molecules. So that's kind of the, those are the signals we be able to pick up in, um, in our reading. So pe inform people to make better decisions. Okay. And we have people came back saying, oh my God, I really wish I knew this since 15 years ago because I'm okay. suffering from <clears throat> a lot of rashes and pains and, you know, and then mm -hmm. I, since I know, uh, since I typed with, uh, uh, I analyzed with GenoPallet and I changed my uh, intake of the wheat uh, containing mm -hmm. uh, substances or food and, and my life has been really um, much more painless. And we're really happy to see those life changed, you know, life changing stories from people. I mean, I think that what you're doing. I mean, it just knowledge is power. And I think to your point, I mean, so many times we suffer from things that you think are good, right? I mean, there's so much, um, 
advertising out there about certain foods or, you know, there's the, the things that kind of come and go, meaning like one day eggs are good, next day eggs are bad. When, you know, right now there's a big uh, emphasis on gluten being bad, um, but not everybody has the same reaction to these foods, but yet sometimes we do. And I know like for me, it was so, it's so almost reaffirming to look at it and say, yeah, like I knew that I, I actually don't have an issue with bread, but I do have an issue when I eat things that contain, you know, dairy a lot of times. And so just to see that, and now, you know, like every time you're going to go put that food in your mouth, I think when you have this knowledge, you're going to know, okay, I'm going to choose to eat this, but I know that my body may tend to react to this and you can start to become aware. And I've, I like to do that with my kids because it's hard, especially with teenagers to tell them, they don't want to listen to me, um, to tell them what I think they should or shouldn't eat. But when they eat something and then they go, my, my stomach hurts, I have a stomach ache or I have a headache. I'm like, well, I just want you to pay attention to the correlation between, you know, you made that choice in food and now your stomach is hurting. Just next time, be aware of that because, you know, you can start to really correlate. And I think when you realize that impact that food has on your body becomes powerful, you can really have like a different lifestyle and how you feel and move just on the, you know, the foods that you eat, not to mention even the weight <laughs> and all the other things. Yes, I think really, I, I believe that's my religion is, is yeah. truth and knowledge, right? And, you know, food is almost like an influencer, right, of mm -hmm. anything and everything we, we do. And it's probably the, the only preventative medicine we can have. You take all the time. You just have to, right? Whether you're foodie or you don't care so much, it's just energy getting flowing. You, you have to as a biology entity. So take advantage of that, right? Every, I, I you know, recent talks, I started to say something like, uh, you know, you have a, three chapters. You came in your previous chapters, which we can read about, right? Mm -hmm. Ancestry and your current, that's the most exciting. And then it's something you can influence. You can make decisions to change. And then there's a future chapter. Right? We want you to be live longer and forever and happily with quality, right? How do we make those decisions today to really leverage our outcomes tomorrow? Yeah. And food, food is medicine. And, you know, it's uh, every time you eat, I think we should be mindful because there, whether you admit it or not, there's going to be consequences. We want it to be a better result than a, a, a worse result. So. Yeah, and I think that so much of healthcare today is a process of elimination and that understanding your markers can really potentially get you there quicker. Um, just, you know, if you find out that you are sensitive to gluten and you are having some symptoms, what is the connection there and how can you help your healthcare provider, you know, have more information? How do you see that this type of testing fitting into healthcare? in the future yeah yeah i've been asked a lot lately um i think that it's definitely happening because you know long time ago physicians tell you you have a problem you go to your physician fix it right they may they may not and they it's it's more like a one-way street uh, from the physician tell you what to do when you have a problem and now it's the almost the reversing it's we're not there yet but we see that trend for example you know uh, physicians, 20, uh, 23 means customer will take their report back to physicians like, 
what do I do about this? Right? I have this Alzheimer's, I have this BRCA1 too, right? Mutation. Right. And for us, we actually heard, right, RD calls and physicians calls when I really applaud their, you know, non acknowledge, I don't know enough, I want to know for my patient's benefit, they call us saying, my patient bring in Genopilot report, what do I do about it? I kind of know more about the science behind it, right? So I think it's great. It's, it's, it's a trend where, you know, us as really the owner of our own data, health activities, whatever, right? And we should own it and we should actually and you know, democratize that uh, and then bring that to a value back to us and also take more control of, you know, what does it really mean? So I like mm-hmm. though, I, I, for all the listeners out there who haven't seen this yet, I first of all recommend you go to the website. Um, but I love that not only after you get the results, you get this, you have your app that shows you all the results and you literally can drill into each and every macro and micronutrient and find out and see what foods have those nutrients in them so that you tell them what they should eat. But you also provide recipes and, and meal plans and your emails that you send out that have just such valuable information. Um, I love it. And I think you do give people the tools because to your point about how now patients are going into physicians, I still think there's a big gap from what I know. Um, physicians don't have that level of training necessarily in medical school, right? At least your, you know, your, your primary, your internal medicine, your, your family medicine physicians don't really have that level of nutrition training or genetic training um, to maybe know how to interpret that. And so I think it's, it is something you have to either do some digging and some research and education for yourself through sources like yours, um, you know, or find physicians or people who really do study that for a living, because I think your normal physician doesn't always necessarily know and understand. Is that true? Yes, you're, you're right on it. It's, they just never got that education in mm-hmm. you know, the senior really experienced because you know physicians need that experience we're talking about they they don't even have a genetics in their basic course right in the medical school recent ones may have a little bit more but it's really specialized and it's kind of a you know uh you don't have to elective right the courses Mm -hmm. you don't have to if you are not interested but i think it's missing right 30 percent of everything in our house, if it's determined by, by genetics. And I think uh, all the physicians, they, the practitioners yeah. should be educated for. Yeah. So we, for that note, definitely your observation is right down, Heather. And I think one of the Genopilot's role is to educate not only customers, but also the partners in the health and healthcare, right? So that they will feel supported when such interactions happen and they know exactly whether they will do the education or they you know pass it on to Chino Pilot to do the education. Yep. Sherry, you had shared with us before we started the podcast that you have some new things coming out and Heather and I are, are already fans of what, what we've you've provided us so far. Could you share some of that with our listeners? Sure, yeah. Thank you. So we're uh, launching a, a um, uh, recipes and also much, much more enriched database so that today you are, I believe all of us are experiencing over 100, 120 some foods that are aligned with 
the ranking of your genetic needs. They're ranked by, you know, like a best, great, and good. I believe that's mm -hmm. the category. But we're gonna open up that completely, right? So you can literally search because a lot of people come back to us saying, "Oh, what about you know?" I just pick one. What about mango? I don't see it, but I like it. Where is it? Is it still okay or is it bad? Right? Mm -hmm. So we'll be able to have those curry uh, in our food database. All, all it says is it really open up all the possibilities out there, and then be able to present that ranking and choosing capacity for yeah. for you as a user. And then we also have going to have a, a curated algorithm uh, or technology to support you access, um, you know, we're talking about probably a million recipes out there that mm -hmm. we be able to take in through a partnership and then, but we layer it so that you is personalized based on our understanding. Oh, I love that. I think that really opened up. It's not a yeah. much contained. You have to order right now. You order three or five meals, recipes, which is great. A lot of people take that on. But we really want to make it more convenient and available to all. Yeah. Maybe you could do a marriage to my fitness pal where you put that in and then it shows yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're hitting those. Although if I put in wine, we know that's going to be a big red flag. <laughs> Oh, I have to make that happen. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh so Sherry, yeah. how can our listeners get a hold of you? Where can they find you? Yes, um, can write to us at uh, hello at uh, genopala.com. Mention your um, your podcast program, and then I'll then make sure I read every single one and respond to them. And uh, yeah, we love the feedback. If you, we have a, a pretty um, frequent blogs go out on our website. You know, you don't have to become a customer to take advantage of those knowledge curated by our scientists uh, and nutritionists. And we love to have any of your audiences to join us as well and then provide the feedback. And I think uh, eating is such a, uh, a journey that requires a lot of researchers' mind, you know, and we want to joining you in that journey. Thank yeah, you. taking care of ourselves is on everyone's mind today. So I think it's really great time to take a look and see what we can be treating ourselves better and make sure we're going down the right path. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think especially, yeah, with, as you mentioned earlier, COVID-19 right now and just getting our bodies, you know, built up to be as healthy and build up our immune systems. And that is all comes back down, I think, to everything we put in our mouth. So I love this. So Sherry, one thing we ask all of our, all of our guests on the show today, but what does it mean to you to be brave? <laughs> um, I think it means that I be truthful to myself. I think a lot of times when you have that layer of consideration, you can be um, like your fullest brave of yours, if that makes sense. So whenever I, I was scared of, you know, what I do, what I do is can be very scary. <laughs> and, you know, as a startup and uh, as a mother and everything, as a responsible person for a lot of lives now. And I just tell myself, what is that thing you originally wanted to do this for, right? If that's still true, then there's nothing to be feared of, so. Yeah, I love that. 
Yeah, we need to tell ourselves that more often than not. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sherry. This has been so great. And I really do. I really encourage everyone to go out there and try this because um, take the test, check out the website because knowledge is power. And uh, this has been absolutely super fascinating to me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.